Hello, and welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. I'm your other host, Daniel Coburn. And today's episode is brought to you by Honey Badger and Rogue Amoeba. Baboom. Thanks, sponsors. Decal. Caleb Porzio. Good to see you. Good to good to be seen. Good to be heard. And to you, the listener, good to good to encounter you in whatever manner this is. They're taking a hike. I like in your new podcast, Building Laravel, your references to people taking a hike as they listen to it. <laughs> I get I that, like that. I get that from uh, uh, there's a. Sh- youtube thing uh hiking with kevin um uh-huh. oh, what's his name i love this guy and i kevin it's kevin it's kevin he's an old snl comedian uh and i can't think he's on weeds he's the guy from weeds uh, oh i know who you're talking about yeah, yeah, yeah shoot i don't know i can't think of his name he's the bee's knees i love him he's like a phenomenal comedian but uh-huh. not many know people know about him and he's a lot older and hasn't done anything in a while um, he's been in like every Happy Gilmore or every Happy Gilmore Productions. Is that is that a thing? Like I know there's a movie, but the Genji Cohen stuff. I don't know. He's buddies with Adam Sandler, so anything Adam Sandler's done, he's got at least like a cameo in. But um, gotcha. Kevin Nealon. Kevin Nealon. Kevin Nealon. He's got hiking with Kevin. He's so freaking funny. He's just one of those people who everything he says is funny, and he starts out every show with. Uh, well, he's actually hiking while he's talking to people, but he's like, grab your, he's like, so grab your, it's always different, but it's like, grab your helmet. We're going on a hike or something. It's like, grab your helmet, grab your, uh, your protein goo or whatever. I don't know. We're going on a hike. Awesome. It's always awesome. something stupid and I love it. So anyway, yeah. that's where it came from. I just like the idea that like you could prescriptively, like you could say, you could make this a, a feature of the show that like, you're only allowed to listen to this show on a hike. <laughs> because i don't want you reading the docs while i'm talking to you i don't want you looking like we're just gonna chat you know yeah we're just chatting you're on a hike i just got back from a hike yeah like we're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot more fireside chats with caleb forzio yeah it's true i i uh it's definitely become that for me and i i really enjoy it i like uh like some- and they're like the perfect length for like a short dog walk mm. you know like yeah you should just pitch them as like, if you don't have a dog, get a dog so you can listen to my podcast. Yeah. That'll be the next thing after hiking. Yeah. Walking the dog. That's cool. You like the podcast? You've listened to it? I have. I haven't listened to all of them. I've probably listened to four okay. of them. Cool. Uh, randomly selected, not in any order. Nice. That's how I roll. Uh, do they build on each other? Uh, I, I guess there was the one where you explained how... Um, dom diffing works yeah. and then you had a follow-up about right. more dom diffing stuff did you listen to either of those i listened to both listen to both in How... backwards order i listened to the the one oh was really like, and then it was like we've just discussed how dom diffing works in the last episode and yeah. i was like all right well i'll listen to that after this how was that follow how was the dom diffing stuff good. i thought it was good yeah i mean but i also have talked to you a million times about dom diffing true true yeah I've gotten no feedback on it because I, I haven't like asked anybody or anything. So I, I wonder if, if the tech stuff, I actually, I delete some episodes and I deleted one yesterday where I went like deep into the actual Dom diffing problem myself. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was like, this is just too much. This is too much for somebody's ear holes. Like, hmm. It's, uh, but anyway, I can see that. Yeah. Some stuff might just be, 
better left in the code. Yeah. You know. So Decol, you... our click our clickbait title did well. Did it? I haven't looked at yeah, any I, stats. I think we I think we did like twenty percent better than we normally do <laughs> on release day because we called our episode "How much money do we make?" Yeah, I mean it's a clickbait title, but again, it's we we did deliver we right delivered. off the bat. We like in the first five minutes, we tell you exactly how much money we make. I know, right? It's I yeah. I think any title we would have done that expressed accurately what we talked about would have yeah. done well. Yeah, yeah, uh, but that was the best one for sure. Nice. Yeah, I toyed topic. around with a bunch of different ones. Um, yeah, that's cool to know. I figured it would. Like, I can't imagine it not doing better. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, so we have two things to talk about. We do. Do you want to talk about the? Let's talk about the tech one. The tech one first. All right, cool. Here's what I here's what I have, and then we'll we'll um, uh, sponsor in the middle. So we don't forget. <laughs> yep. Tech one, then a sponsor, and then we'll talk about the touchy-feely one. Yeah. Um, so tech one. So I was writing uh, a test the other day. Uh, so Laravel Nova has a middleware that fires an event that just says, this is a Laravel Nova request. Okay. Um. The reason that is cool is that there is a um, there like for example the the I forget what they call it in the docs uh, but there's basically a way that you can register an observer that only observes changes made in Nova. Okay. Um, so you wrap your observer registration in this other thing, which I haven't looked further to see if you can actually just use that thing to say. Do whatever you want, but only if this is Nova. A I think model you can. observer. Yeah. Yeah. And so the situation I had is that uh, there's this thing where uh, like a certain thing can have multiple different outcomes. And in the code, when people are signing up, going through a wizard, um, yeah. in the moment that those outcomes are set, we're also doing some other things that are side effects. Yeah. Um. And the client wants to be able to change the outcomes in Nova after the fact. And so we would have to undo the side effects we had done and do the appropriate side effects for the other thing. Okay, Perfect yeah. model observer territory. Yeah. Um, but we don't want to add all those side effects as model observers across the board. Yeah. Because there's other places. We just have to refactor so many things. Sure. So... What do we do? We create a model observer and we register it only on Nova requests. That's pretty cool as like, uh, cause that, that's always a little bit of a fear with, or a concern with model observers that, yeah, okay, I want this for the flow where a user's editing this, but I mm-hmm. don't want this for the other weird times that this thing gets updated or edited in the code. Right. And this is effectively cool. that, mm-hmm. which is very cool. It's pretty sweet. Okay. Um, and uh, this is a Keith Damiani idea, um, which is classic Keith Damiani. So anyway, I'm like, how do I test this, right? So then I go digging, I go source diving to see like how it works. And I'm like, oh, it's a middleware. Like it's just all the Nova routes have this middleware applied that fires this event. Cool. And then that's what's getting caught by the thing in the in the service provider. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, well, what if I just apply that? middleware to a route and then i call it 
without middleware and assert that it didn't happen. And then I call it with middleware and assert that it did happen. Yeah. You know, I'm like, but then I have to create a route for testing this. I don't want to do that and blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, wait, you can just create a route in your test. So I did. So I just right at the top of my test, I say route get thing, like random path. Right. And then I return a closure. And in that closure, I like do the things, yep. do the side effects. And then I write a test that says, oh, and then I assign that Nova middleware to it that right. Nova ships with. Yep. Then I call it without middleware and assert that the side effects didn't happen. And then I call it with middleware and assert that the side effects did happen. So dope. And it proves that my observers work. Uh, and uh, it was really cool. Um, and I just wanted to talk about defining routes in your tests. Like, I think it's a sick move. And I feel like there's a million places I could be doing it that I'm not doing it. Yeah. It it is. I, I I'm repeating things we said before the show because we started talking. We we're like we have to hit record, but that yeah. moment when you realize that you can register a route anywhere that right. it doesn't have to be in web.php. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's an empowering and, and, moment. Oh, it's nuts, dude! I was thinking in the car over here, like you could like dynamically generate your routes based on things, you know? Yeah, I did that for. Oh, I made my own. Oh, the original Livewire docs <laughs> before I switched to Jigsaw. I made my own mm-hmm. static generator. I think we talked about that on here at some point, like my own static site generator. Sure. And in my web.php file, I do like a file or like a, a dir name or whatever to get get the files inside of my fol- a folder with all these markdown files. And then I loop through it. This is just in web.php and code. And I define routes for every single one. Whoa. And then in those routes, you mark down parse them. Yeah. Yeah, I was pumped about that. Yeah. You can do so much like dynamic routes. Like nobody, like, I don't know. It's one of those things that is totally possible. It's buck wild. The only thing, and this is a thing I discovered. I almost thought this didn't work because I used the route helper to call it. So I like to find the route and then I was like, you know, this get route. By route facade, you, know, you mean? Test. No, 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 the route helper in Laravel. Like the route function that you would use to oh, get yeah, a yeah, okay. route. Yeah, sure. So I was like, you know, this get route test route. Yep. You know, and it said no such route test route. And I was like, mur, mur, you can't define routes anywhere. Um, but. And I was like, wait a second. What if I just use the path instead of the name? And I used the path and it worked fine. So I guess what what the deal is is that the, whatever the list of names is doesn't get refreshed on you know whatever app instance you have access to at that point in time. So you would need to refresh something or get a new app instance or something like that. I don't exactly know. Yeah. You're... Uh, I could dig into the router and figure out what the order of operations is, but it's definitely that like something isn't getting right. updated. You're no stranger or to the router. Getting... I've been in there. Um, I really quick searched through my tests in the last project I worked on for a route helper to see if I registered routes. I know I've done it for a test, and I really wonder what it was because I don't think I was testing middleware, and I can't remember why I did that. Also, um, I know 
people must know this, right? But did you know that you can just dump uh, error exception? Or, sorry, the uh, response exception. And, like, you get, like, a nice color highlighted stack trace in your test. You can dump response exception. I don't know Like, in your means. test, if you do, like, a this get, right? Yeah, yeah. If you do, like, response equals this get, whatever. Yep. You can just say, like, if exception, dump this exception. Or if, if sorry, if response exception dump response exception like the response object that is the that is returned from this get yeah uh has an exception property that you can access interesting i and it's null if there's not an exception and if there is an exception it is like a rendered laravel exception with color coding and highlighting and so this trace this is better than this arrow without exception without handling? exception handling, it's, yes, because, because you get colors. It's color coded. It's nice, and it's like indented properly. Everything's good. Yeah, because you're dumping, you're dumping something you're dumping with the dumper, exception. and when you yeah. without exception handling, it's just PHP unit accepting an exception. Yeah, is it nicer? Is I love it really. Um, so I kind of want to like build a test case that I like a base test case test case that has that. Right. Or instead Somehow, of with like exception handling, it's like with pretty exception handling. And then yeah, it exactly. catches the exception and it dumps it instead of lets it bubble up to PHP unit or something. Yep. Yeah. Or just hijack with exception handling in your whole app. That would be nice. I ain't saying. I'm just That'd saying. That'd be dangerous. You should do it. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. I there's a. I just did something in livewire that i didn't write a test for and i felt bad about it and it was it's the way livewire like handles middleware and I sounds like an opportunity to make i know yes yeah. <laughs> like it was one of those things that like i just didn't want to figure it out or how, like you don't want to figure out how to write a test yeah i hate that yeah i should have and you know what was it so what was the behavior and what Let's see if we can figure out how to write the test. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think I did when you first started saying this, and I think it's. But I, I let's run through it. So, Livewire has a Livewire slash message endpoint, and that's where all mm-hmm. the Livewire messages go. Okay. To one endpoint, and so all of the just all of those like big chunks of structured data that you use to do Livewire stuff. Yeah, like anytime you perform any action in the front end, it sends an AJAX request to one endpoint called livewire mm-hmm. slash message it actually is now slash component slash the component name but it's just garbage i don't do anything with it the only mm-hmm. reason is because when you're in dev tools i think this was it's till. easier to debug yeah it's easier to look at yeah that's smart i like that yeah it's just like a wildcard third parameter with a <laughs> question like that. mark yeah no, that's like, cute yeah it's cool i think that's a till cross cruise um so that is that right so that endpoint originally when i first wrote livewire it it was just uh, i applied the web middleware to that route so that it got like sessions and everything like that so i just applied the web middleware no big deal just like you're normally submitting a thing but in the back of my mind i'm like okay this works for now but not everybody uses the web middleware they use their own custom thing or you know who knows it's it's just kind of an assumption Mm -hmm. that will eventually break down for someone somewhere and I just left it. And then for some reason, I had this harebrained idea that I needed to mimic the middleware of the original. You do have a very hairy brain. I do. <laughs> so 
the middleware that gets run on the original page load, so even if you have authorization middleware or anything, the middleware that gets run, like if you have is admin middleware on some page and then a Livewire component is loaded on that page, any subsequent Livewire request, I'm like, oh, I need to apply that same middleware. I need to apply that is admin middleware. So uh, there's a gather middleware function. I think it's app gather middleware. Um, and it gets you all the middleware. So I'd get the middleware. I would encrypt it, send it to the front end and back every time to dynamically specify the middleware for that route to run. It's pretty stupid. I mean, it's really dumb. Say it one more time slow. So, okay, right. So the route is registered in the service provider. My live wire route yes. is registered in the service uh-huh. provider. Because you can register routes wherever you want. Right. You know what? Maybe the first time I I saw this and realized it was in Dusk. Because Dusk registers its own routes for itself in the service provider. Ziggy registers a route as well. Yeah. There's there's an option in Ziggy where you can can make an Ajax request to get the list of routes for people who have content security policies or whatever. Okay. So... Um, yeah, so Livewire in the service provider has route colon colon get and then slash Livewire slash message slash whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the Livewire juice. And then I tack on arrow middleware. It used to be just web, right? Yep. But now yep. it gets an item out of the request called middleware that's encrypted. It decrypts it and then it shoves it into there. So it defines the route in the service provider with the middleware that it comes from the request. So hot. Yeah, encrypted and decrypted. So you can't just add any middleware you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so this works, but then people are having issues with auth middleware, authorization middleware, like can do this to this model or whatever that mm-hmm. they might have on their original page. And then when they go to get it back, like then when Liveware applies it, it's like, hey, wait a minute, where's the the post ID and the URL to, to, so I can get the model binding and, and auth it, you gotcha, know, gotcha, gotcha, so gotcha. people are running into that issue. Somebody at some point added a filter so you could filter out certain middleware and, uh, closures. Some, if you use closure middleware, this all breaks. Um, so anyway, not a great solution. Felt bad for a while. Um, at first I thought I needed this at one point. I realized I don't mm-hmm. need it security wise. Um, for reasons that's outside the scope of this, like it's already secure without this. But um, so all this to say, I dropped back down to web middleware after some conversation with people in GitHub, but changed it to, oh, I added a config option that you can specify the default middleware group. So that's pretty much what I did. I just wanted to write a test that was like, make sure that the liveware endpoint gets the web middleware initially, make sure that you can customize it and get the, and change the middleware group yeah so the, the two tests i need totally. to write are is the web middleware applied to the liveware endpoint uh-huh so first let's write that test okay uh so the, the reason, what is something that the web middleware does right so we could add a session we could check against that uh-huh or maybe or. we could uh does the response yeah, have middleware sure. in it I doubt it. But if it has a reference to the original request, I don't know. The response does not have middleware in it, I'm guessing. You could create a new request. 
that doesn't that nothing you're just testing that you made a request with that middleware oh oh um, oh oh i hijack the definition of the web middleware before i hit the route there you go and then test for the thing that you set yeah 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 this is a good classic like fork in the road where the first option is we'll just test against something that happens in the web middleware but that feels bad because that could change you know it's like it's not as so then it's like level two is like make something happen in the web middleware yeah test against that. yeah exactly and that would be perfect if there was just some way that you could do that and then the config one i could register middleware called foo or whatever and then specify in the config liveware config that you want the foo middleware do something in so that you, and then you could it. edit the web middleware group for sure and just add a middleware to the stack yeah i could do that I, that would i'd have to have a fixture like an actual file called like test middleware or something i don't think you would also oh, just a class reference so i could actually define the class inside write the of the class test. in line yeah that's a that's a i just picked that up from matt stauffer who picked it up from adam wathen i think well i'm not talking uh, about a cl- uh, class literal like a why not because it would need a reference to the class not the instance you know because like the middleware group can you not colon colon class i guess you can't you can't no oh that sucks i do that a lot though the literal but if yeah, i if the, i need the class super cool i just, I just started it in doing the it yeah 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 i do that's my that's first cool. layer of defense is the class instance thing for sure yeah yeah actually livewire service provider has it oh man i do like the hackiest thing in the world i've been doing it with uh so on the project i'm working on that you worked on previously yeah you you created a fake payment gateway yeah thing and i needed like specific versions of it so first i created a bunch of separate payment gateways yeah and then i was like screw this swap class so using swap with class is super powerful sweet like swap with a random inline class literal and then extend the original class yeah from the inline class it's literal. that's dope it's yeah. like it's absolutely bonkers that's really nice <laughs> yeah that's good um but yeah no that's super cool okay so that that's how you test that the web thing gets applied what was the second half that we needed to test um so the second one is that you can configure the middleware group that gets assigned to the library. Okay, so that's easy. So then you then you generate a new middleware group. Yep. With a side effect. Yep. Um, hit it. Test hit it. it. Yeah, or specify it. Hit it. And right. Then assert that it too happened. Easy. Too easy. Too easy, my friend. Um. Can I tell you the wacky thing I do in LiveWire Service Provider that's like I almost don't want to admit publicly? Yes. I think he'll, this is pretty pretty ridiculous. So I need to remove the trim strings and convert empty strings to null middleware. Uh-huh. So these are two pieces of middleware. I'm filling in the user as well as telling you. These are two pieces of middleware that are added to the web group. Right? Okay. Trim strings. Any Any items in the request like, white space yeah you submit a form and you have a trailing piece of white space on after a string it will trim that convert cool. empty strings to null means when you submit yep i know i know the middle string, i know i'm explaining to the user decal sure sure, sure. You big jerk decal Sorry. um so two middlewares in the web in the web group whatever 
So they mess with Livewire because Livewire is sending... How do they mess with Livewire? They do mess with Livewire. Because of because Livewire data is getting convert empty stringed to null. So like when you first render the Livewire component, you might have an empty string. Like when you mm-hmm. set an empty string as a default view component piece of data or something. Mm-hmm. Then it so then you end up passing to, null back. Yeah, and, and then it, it finds a mismatch. And I have mm-hmm. security settings in place that like be like, hey, there's a data mismatch. Somebody could have tampered with it. I'm, I'm yeah, screaming yeah. and won't let you go further. So in so basically i realized the best thing to do is just to remove those two middlewares not easy daniel not easy. really very not easy i went deep on this <laughs> there's no easy way to remove a middleware that's already been defined i tried registering a middleware before it that modified mm-hmm. the middlewares like i tried so many things this is my non-elegant solution <laughs> so, tell me so in my registration, in my register method in Livewire Service Provider, I hijack. Um, I knew you were going to hijack. I'm hijacking. <laughs> what do I hijack? I hijack. I think I hijack the middleware def, the kernel. It's got to be the kernel. Oh, what do I do? You could also hijack like the handle method on middleware or something. <sighs> no, I couldn't. I wanted to do that. So here's what I don't I don't know the exact specifics, but basically I do have a class literal for something that I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's for Mm -hmm. like the router or something to get this in the right place. Then I get the right. The kernel, right? The kernel has the reference to all the active middleware. Kernel.php. Yeah. Yeah. So kernel has a protected property called middleware. That's Mm -hmm. where all the active middleware gets stored. After but it, it's protected, so you can't mess with it. Right. So I made so you have a to class add a method. called, I have a class called object pry bar <laughs> that I created. <laughs> that is such a good name. Yeah. It's in Livewire course. So anybody who has the Livewire package in their app has access to it. It's baller. It, so basically you pass in an object and you get access to all the protected properties. And you can set or That's get amazing. them. That's amazing. So I get the middleware, I filter out the things, and then I reset the middleware. And I do this, it's all with reflection. So I like use reflection to set accessible to true on the properties inside the object primer. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm like That's crazy. Prying open Laravel in the oh, worst object way. Object Prybar. Yeah. That's such a good name. Yeah. I don't think it's the perfect Whew. name, but I I'm happy with it. Yeah. Hell yeah. So there you go. That's a tale from the deep um decal solid solid stuff right there solid we dude th- this is these these little nuggets these morsels these are these are the things that dreams are made of these are the things that make you like continue to want to be a programmer is just little little morsels like object pry bar yeah you know like yeah. i'm gonna just that's a great concept yeah you know or like uh because it just feels so brute force yep. you know right um or just like little things like oh yeah routes in my tests like that i'm gonna try and do that you know like it's just those things where like you you set a goal i agree based on an idea this is the level specifically the routes thing the defining routes anywhere like in your test that's the level of i'll say uh skill maybe or expertise or whatever in laravel programming 
that like where you hit freedom where you hit freedom and you you're you're painting now like you're being creative that's that's the level that that's the flow state or whatever like i get so much enjoyment out of that level and that's why mm-hmm. like if i wanted to switch to anything or whatever i've talked about this a lot like switch a different tool there's lots of joys but this joy takes a long time to get to you know yeah then that's yeah. that's the good stuff when you're you can, surfing when you're surfing yeah yeah surfing the net it feels good mm. should we thank our sponsors let's thank them thank you honey badger so much for sponsoring the show your contributions to the show have helped us in so many ways we are wealthy for one that's a big mm-hmm. bonus we were poor but now we're rich exactly and uh so thank you for that and uh yeah so honey badger you are an exception tracker error management tool and you fill our lives with notifications about dangerous things that are happening in the real world on our websites and we really appreciate that because without that errors just go unnoticed users get sad they hit the uh delete my account button they tweet out horrible things about your service and you fail miserably and you never knew why and it's because you didn't sign up for honey badger so honey badger tracks all the errors inside of your laravel app it's super easy to sign up for super easy to install in your application it takes two seconds they tell you exactly what to do it's easier than all its competitors guaranteed and they do everything you would need them to do you can use it in laravel use it in javascript it's just an awesome service they have ping uptime checking that makes sure that your website's alive and well when you're sleeping so that you don't have to sit there and refresh your website all night like an idiot honey badger does that for you and it makes sure <laughs> Nicole's giving me the nod he's like yeah that's dude the mm, dude who's doing you don't that, want that you don't want to be you don't that want guy. that you don't want to be that guy so honey badger we're really appreciative to you and everything you give to us here at No Plans to Merge. So, listener and listeners, yeah, show our appreciation to Honey Badger by giving them money and trying them out. Exactly, because you give them money instead of just reaching for that same old error tracking solution that has failed you so many times before, or that does a zillion billion things that you never need, or has a zillion doodads, or emails you that they're going to give you a free T-shirt if you sign up, and they never leave you alone, and you never even got the T-shirt. You know. I'm talking to if you're listening hmm. rhymes with ventry gentry mm. gentry gentry the land landed gentry so all that being said thank you honey badger for sponsoring the show if you don't have an error tracking tool go sign up for honey badger today what are you doing with your life back to the other sponsor other sponsor also brought to you this week by rogue amoeba this week we're talking about Rogue Amoeba's fantastic application, Loopback. Loopback. Caleb, if you were to hear of an app called Loopback, what would you think it does? I would think, give me a second here, Loopback. I would think it it's a yoga app. It's not a yoga app, Caleb. Here's what it is. Audio. It's like a it's like a wire, right? Think about a guitar. You plug into a guitar, then you plug into the amp, right? And there's there's audio going down that wire, you know. I think too about audio. Think about audio routing because that is what loopback does. Any audio in or out from your application, you can basically just grab the two ends of those wires and plug them in anywhere you want, right? So say I'm sitting with you on this call, Caleb, and I wanted to 
play you a song using an electric guitar, but sing to you using my microphone and play you a backing track off of YouTube all at once. I could take my output from Safari that would be playing YouTube and my input from my microphone and my input from an electric guitar that was plugged into my computer and I could merge them into a single virtual device that my computer just sees as a regular old audio input and then I could go into Zoom where we're talking right now and set the input to the, my new virtual device and now all three of those audio sources are being fed into one virtual input across the internet and into your ears and you're hearing me play you a very good song. There are so many uses for this. When you're streaming, sometimes, uh, like when I when I would stream on Twitch, I would uh, want to play some music that the people could hear and that I could also hear. Nice. So I would just take the audio output from my music player and route it right into OBS so that the people were hearing the music that I was playing. There's so many things you can do with this. Uh, if you are a gamer who records gameplay videos, you can record the audio from the game and the audio from your mic at the same time. Uh, if you're a podcaster who wants to, like, say we wanted to put the intro music for the show in the recording instead of having to edit it in later, we could just do that with loopback. We could just play the music and then start we talking and we would be that. able to hear it. We should. It would save you a step in editing. That would be great. And then we could yeah. cue the outro music now for real. And then we would cue the outro music now. Although, oh, honestly, if I'm being honest, Caleb, Rogamiba has another app that's actually better for that. It's called Farago, and it's a soundboard app that they also make. <laughs> uh, it's not one of the four apps that we were contractually obligated to talk about, but I figured I'd just bring it up as well, because, honestly, it's better for that. Than could it do other is. things that could make me not edit? Uh, loopback? No, Fargo. Uh, Ferrari? Farago. Well, your editing is just <laughs> putting the music on the front, right? And changing our levels. Are you serious? Do you even know what I do, Deagle? I don't, I don't know. Well, you edit my levels to get us the same volume. I put the sound um, in the beginning and the end, Deagle. Oh, right. There's music at the beginning and music at the end. Yeah, we could do both of those things. That's pretty easy. We should do that. Yeah. I, I have know. Loopback yeah. installed on my Mac top do you i do very good i used it Perfect. for streaming the one time i streamed it's amazing yeah yeah solid. i have so many rogue amoeba apps installed on my computer the only uh rogue amoeba app i don't have installed on my computer is fission which is their fast and lossless audio editor which knowing rogue amoeba is probably really good and easy and probably huh. easier than booting up GarageBand or or ableton studio one studio one Dude, you back on Studio One? I thought you were on Ableton. No, I never switched to Ableton. <laughs> you just threatened to. I threatened to. Uh, yeah, man. That would be nice. I don't like Studio One. Cool. Well, we're going to check out Fission on our end. You guys should check out all of the Rogue Amoeba apps, honestly. But this week, you should check out Loopback because it's really dope. And it solves a thing that you think should be built into your operating system but isn't, which is kind of what Rogue Amoeba is good at. Nice. So thanks to our sponsors, Honey Badger and Rogue Amoeba. Dun, dun, Back dun, to the show. Dun, dun, dun. D. Cole, uh, we've been covering some good ground here. We have. We've, the, much ground has been covered. Many of the grounds. Many of the grounds. So are there any other technical things while we're talking tech? Are there any other technical fun things that you've encountered? 
in your recent travels? Uh, yeah. Um, say you accidentally uh, ran a migration that regenerated some SQLite fixtures that you had in your app. Oh, man. And you committed them. <laughs> I don't want to talk about fixture versioning. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. Say you I, accidentally, I do. Like, I'm just saying how say much Say you I accidentally rebuilt app.js, right? Yeah. On on a branch where you didn't need to rebuild app.js. Sure. You know? And you committed it, and then later you committed more things. And now you're going and looking at your PR, and you're like, why are there app.js changes in my PR? Yeah. I don't want these in my PR. Yep. Right? How do you get rid of those app.js changes in your PR without adding another commit? How do you get rid of those app.js changes in your PR without adding another commit? Um, you could check out the source. Make sure your JavaScript source is the exact same as another branch. Rebuild mm-hmm. your assets. Okay, let's just assume that like for some reason like a timestamp gets embedded in, okay. in your JavaScript. So rebuilding won't guarantee you the exact same file. You just want to act as though those changes never happened. Okay. Um, one thing I would do if it was in the yeah. last commit, mm-hmm. I would go. It wasn't. Oh, it wasn't. Well, There's shit. a commit after this. Uh, I don't know. Git revert the whole commit and then recommit a bunch of stuff. Are we like messing with Git here? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, we're messing with Git. Here's the move. Okay. I'm just going to tell it to you. I'm going to tell you the step by step. This step by step was developed by me, Logan, and Jose because I didn't know what to do and I asked Logan and Jose to get on with me. And Logan and Jose are very smart people. So here's the move, all right? If you have changes in an old commit, not the most recent commit that you need fixed, you just want to do something with them, or especially if you want to remove them from existence at all, here's what it is. So this is a pull request from feature branch to develop, Yeah. right? Yeah. So here's what I do. I'm on feature branch. I get rebase-i develop. So I get an interactive rebase. Yep. I go down to the commit that I need to remove the things from, and I mark it as edit. Right? So I'm editing that commit. Yep. So then it like transports me into commit edit mode. Yeah. Now I get checkout, develop, and then the file. Nice. Sweet. And then I commit amend, and then I continue my rebase, and it's just as if those things never were changed. Solid. It's amazing. And I had like a bunch of files and also you can you can when you uh when you check out you can just check out a whole folder which is great because all of the bad changes i didn't want were in one okay, folder called nice. database slash fixtures um so i just checked out that whole folder from develop that's nifty and then like 10 different file changes got reset and they were binary files too so i couldn't like diff them right. and it was the whole thing that's pretty dope get, so get dope. rebase interactive always gives me the heebie-jeebies i'm gonna say it, I'm like getting, I've been comfortable with like the main usages of it for right. a while, but I'm getting comfortable now with like it as like a utility knife that you can use in all kinds of cool ways. That's great. I think my biggest beef with it is when you're squashing, it's, I never know how it works. <laughs> like it's, Which direction it yeah, goes. Yeah, I never know which direction it goes and how to like designate. It goes the opposite direction of the way it should, honestly. Right. And it's hard to remember that. Or you, I'm like, I know it goes opposite, but is it opposite opposite, which is the same? Or is it? The yeah. definition says. It does. Even. It says below it, I think, or after it. Right. Yeah. 
like what is after is it or before well it's time or is it the order in the lines you know yeah uh those are the same yeah i don't know right you know what i'm saying because like if you look at get log Mm -hmm. then after is earlier in the lines you know like that's typically how it is so but when you're in an interactive rebase it's not is it not no the most recent commit is at the end at the end huh yeah i think pretty sure annoying anyway that's the move interactive rebase edit check out commit amend that's good that's good i dig so hot i like that amazing that's all that's all i had a little tech tidbit for you You got another one i got a tech tidbit um hit me i'm gonna hit you here so this is something i talked about on the other podcast now (laughs) Building library rolls his eyes. The other podcast where you take all of your good topics. (laughs) No, I really think where I'm putting, where I'm saving all of our listeners from me, like blabbering on about. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. You. So Mm -hmm. building live wire, uh, it's taking off by the way. It's like twice as popular as no plans to merge twice as many listeners. The sponsors, your sponsors are just balling. Yeah, for real. Um, yeah. So, uh, Building Livewire mm-hmm. podcast episode mm-hmm. single file single file principle. Mm-hmm. You listen the to SFP. That? Uh, no. Okay. So I invented a new principle called single file principle because if I say single responsibility principle, there's too much attached to it. Sure. Okay. But basically, you know what? And I touch on something. I don't even want to talk about the single file principle. What I want to talk about is inversion of control. Another okay. fancy word that is just fancy but its principle is profound like it's one of those things where you know you read all those books like gang of four books and stuff like that you read Mm -hmm. about these object-oriented design principles they make good sense you even follow them sometimes but i actually encountered one like i feel like i encountered something on my own and went holy crap this is such a better design for a system and then just realized while we were recording the show in the beginning of the show that the reason I love so love it so much, or, or actually the nature of it, is inversion of control. Allow Please. me to explain. Allow. First, let's yeah. get inversion of control down. Sure. You want to explain to the user? Why don't you pitch it? Okay. Inversion of control. Because I'm not sure I have it down. Great. So, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Inversion of control is, basically, it's the, the concept behind the IOC container in Laravel. So the idea is that if one thing, let's say a class, depends on another class, instead of that class depending on the other class, you can invert the control so that each of those classes depends on something central, something else, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, it's a weird term. I don't know exactly what control means, but basically follow the dependencies. So if class A depends on class B... If you now resolve class B out of a container, class A depends on the container and class B, well, is resolved out of the container. But that's that's the idea so that you okay. can change because you created a seam and then you can swap things in and out of that seam. Right. That's inversion of control to my knowledge. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. So basically the, the control part doesn't make a ton of sense. I know to me. that's the weird language part, but I think I've encountered the same thing. So. In Livewire, you ready for the deep code? Deep yes. code talk? 
in Livewire, there is DOM diffing code. We're not going to get into the DOM diffing, but let's just say that there's hooks that say like on element added. And when an mm-hmm. element's added, I have to initialize that element. Like I have to look through, is there wire click on it? I got to add a click listener, stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. So you can imagine I do a lot of things in on L added. Sure. Right. Same thing with on L removed, on L updated, stuff like that, right? So I have code in there. There's other parts that I have code related to adding an element, all this stuff. So what I ended up doing was creating a global hook. I called it hook manager. And I use my own little hook system inside of Livewire now. It should be called Hookman so that it can have a version of the octopus that has a hook. <laughs> there needs to be an octopus with a hook. Yeah, and an eye patch. There on needs one to be eye. an octopus with a peg leg for one of its And one, hooks. just like one eye patch, like across its whole yes. one eye. Yes, that needs and to its happen. His name is Hookman, and it's Hook the Hook Manager. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the Hookman. Oh, love the hook man. The hook man cometh. So hook manager. Mm-hmm. Basically, the idea is in my code where let's say before there was a method somewhere in some file that says on element added. And then I have some code that says check it for the existence of wire colon click and then I add the listener. Right. So now what I can do is instead of that code, I have my on L added function. And then I have this hook manager that I just get an instance of like a singleton, you know, and I'm like hook manager dot call L added and pass in the element to that, to that hook and anywhere else in Livewire, any, any file can grab an instance of hook manager and register listeners for these hooks. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. So now basically I started, this is a make the easy change example. Like I refactored all of this with the same behavior before I added anything. But yeah. all because I wanted to add a feature and keep it all inside one file. Yeah. So this is funny. This kind of reminds me of what we were talking about earlier, of like you having to hack the kernel to uh, to mess with the middleware. Okay. Like, imagine a situation where like someone had to like, m- like make an edit to a hook that was already registered by someone else. Okay, yeah. Would it would they have to do the same thing? Um maybe. It's kind of a weird parallel. Though. It's a weird comparison. Yeah, okay. I think it is. But you get the idea that it's inversion of control. Now one file depends yep. on the hook Controls. manager. Uh-huh. So the I guess the hook manager is the thing that has control, maybe? Where mm-hmm. before I think so. control is dispersed over different files. Right. So now I can add I can add a feature and have it all in one file. That when like I could have a class that in the constructor it registers these listeners in global live where it's like listen for an element removed. Elements removed, then remove this thing, right? You know, it's totally mm-hmm, mm-hmm. totally managed within itself. Yep. Which is super cool. I mean, it was a killer refactor. Like now there's literally like loading states, like in Livewire wire colon loading. There is no place in Livewire that has to do with loading except for like loading manager.js. Yeah, no, that's really sick. React apps, I feel like I do that a lot. Um, or at least like I should do that. Like I don't do it up front and then I end up doing a refactor where I'm like, I need to centralize this piece of state because it's too many places, too many different things are dealing with this thing. I need to like, you know, dial this in. And like yeah. when I do do that, like 
it's such a relief. All of your like timing bugs go away. All of your race conditions yeah. go away. All of your concerns about like is this in the right state at any given time just melt away. And now and you can just like you can just attach things to it. You can just ho- yeah, just hook onto it. Mm-hmm. In testing, I had to write a test the other day for something completely unrelated and I realized it was kind of that instance of like like we were talking about with the middleware, like you could test an effect of the middleware or you can grab a hold of some hook or something and change what's registered at runtime. So in my test, my this is a total JavaScript jest test for some behavior in LiveWire. I just needed to test that something with the DOM differ. Basically, it was a DOM diffing test. I basically, I'm like, spit these two things out to LiveWire. Like, take this DOM, change it to this DOM, and make sure that this element doesn't get removed. But how do I know that? Like, it's it's very hard to to explain why I why this is hard. But I can't just say like, make sure this thing isn't in the DOM. Like, whatever. I can then just hook into the removed thing, the element removed hook that I already have globally available. I can just mm-hmm. say livewire.hook or livewire. Yeah, livewire.register, whatever. Um, listen for L removed, set a variable that says it's removed, and then my assertion is just make sure that that variable is not set. That's my assertion. Mm. Mm. So now my test just became way, way easier. Now every test has full access to the lifecycle of DOM diffing and other things. It's not just DOM diffing that I'm using this hooks pattern for. Cool. And it's the same idea that in your test, you can do uh, uh, something a real-time facade. You can do a swap and swap some class out for some instance. That is all inversion of control. That is all possible yeah. because of, of inversion of control. And this is the same principle. Yeah. It, no, it makes it makes tons and tons of sense. The um, Yeah, the testability stuff is so big. You know, like just the ability to... This is, I think, one of the things I like most about Laravel, you know, is just the ability to kind of go in and fudge it all for your test, you know, just to get down to the place where, like, I could test this easily. Like, all I got to do is do what Laravel does, but I'm going to do it my way for this test. You feel... You know what I'm saying? You feel like... like... This is, I mean, this, like, I know, like, inversion of control is, like, like, the buzzword, like, framework is one of the hardcore buzzwords when you're talking about inversion of control right it's like a very framework driven concept yeah yeah you know so like there's less times i think like you are developing a framework so i think this is like right this is an idea you're going to encounter a lot and like the more you grok this and like lean this into your head the better you're going to be when you're developing a bespoke object-oriented system or just a a bespoke system you know yeah yeah um, and yeah, I think it's, it's just, it's hot, you know, like, cause you've got users, you know, and like, it, you know, we would all do well to consider the, the next developer, the user of our framework. Um, but like specifically for you, like you have users, <laughs> you know, like the whole point of your code is for people to edit it, you know, or yeah. to like write code with it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so any tools you give, like in addition to just like making it easier for you to write your own code and test your own code yeah. and grok your own code and have confidence in pull requests, which is going to be huge, right? When people start making pull requests to change how things work they can, and you're just going to totally, it's going to be a one file change and you're, change and you're going to be like, I get how this works. I don't need to, I don't need to like trust that they did the right thing with event listeners or any of this other bullshit. Like 
I just know like the that system's tested and works. So all I need to see is like your actual business logic. Dude. That is huge. Huge. Welcome to pull request heaven, my friend. Pull request heaven. For real. That is the You should you should make a dude, this should be your goal. Speaking of uh Livewire as a monastic project, which we can get to later. You should build a framework where eight out of ten pull requests can be a single file. Yeah, man. I mean I think I think for the front end, yeah, it's not that far off. Like the front end if you want to add wire colon Daniel to LiveWire, mm-hmm. that's a one file change. And it can mm-hmm. do serious things. You know. Mm-hmm. This is like not just something that like says hello world. Yeah. Um, you're totally right. Yeah. It's th- what drove it initially was my thought of like, there could be some real potential for plugins with Livewire. And yeah. I could not bloat the core by making like official Livewire plugins. Like, if you want to support, like maybe Vue.js, maybe it's a separate plugin, which you totally could do. If you want to support mm-hmm. React, it's like Livewire slash React. If you want to support like mm-hmm. whatever, select two, it's just a plugin. And so I started thinking about that, like, how would I make a plugin system? And that's when I came to some of this stuff. It was like, okay, I should make a plugin system, but I should use my own plugin system for everything, you know? <laughs> and that's when, that's basically how I landed on this inversion of control thing was like, because I landed on it because I unintentionally imposed the constraint of introducing new logic or code in one place. That's what it was. That's what, it has nothing to do with plugins plugins mm-hmm. just happen to be a constraint of making it putting the code in putting one the place. code in one place exactly right encapsulation yeah 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 um so that's cool that was one of those like i got distracted while you were talking and had a good idea great what about this say you wanted to make livewire compatible with multiple backends right yeah uh say you wanted a rails backend for livewire yeah could you uh, what is it? A gem file? Is that their composer.json? Yep. Yeah. Could you make a repo that is the Livewire front end and a composer.json, a gem file, and like a package JSON for Node? And depending on which thing you use to install it, it would install the appropriate backend. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like totally, it would go because sure. it would have a dependency on the like the Ruby backend, the PHP backend, and the JavaScript backend. Right. So like right now, you compose or install oh, Livewire. I got you. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You compose or install Livewire, and it comes, but it's like a PHP package. Yeah. You know, it comes with the PHP backend and the JavaScript front end, right? Yeah. But if you could decouple the backend and the front end, put the backend in its own repo, right? Yeah. yeah. And then you just have a composer.json that pulls in the back end. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and then maybe you have like an index.php or like a whatever you need to like just get you right. booted up. Right? Like Laravel slash Laravel as opposed to Laravel slash framework. Like it'd be like Livewire slash Livewire. It doesn't actually have Livewire core anything. Yeah. It just has one service provider or something. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. You know? Yeah. And then you could do the same thing. You could also have Ruby in that file, in that uh, repo. Yeah. And you could have JavaScript in that repo. And 
use post install hooks to like scaffold whatever you need to scaffold. Yeah, I mean you wouldn't need to scaffold anything. If you had And so that way you could basically have a language agnostic repo which you could install using any of the three package managers. Yeah. Right? Sure, totally. It seems doable. Yeah, the problem is writing backend live wire for Ruby and JavaScript. Right, right, right. <laughs> of course. But the first step, right, before anyone's going to write, like, assuming you wouldn't be the one to write those things, mm-hmm. right? Someone else who's like a Ruby fan would be the one to do it. Right. But assuming that, like, step one would be to abstract the backend into its own. Yeah, that's the thing, like, initially i thought that that's what it was going to be i have a building liveware episode called npm something i don't know but talking about this where originally like i just had the javascript together in a mono repo because i like that and i'm lazy and i Uh all along thought well this is going to have to be an npm package a separate repo whatever for the front end i don't think it needs to be an npm package i think it should still be a composer right but the idea is it has to be decoupled yeah yeah it is decoupled i mean it's essentially they're almost a zero coupling between yeah i yeah. mean there's like the blade directive that spits out liveware assets but that's like an echo statement so but I there if there's yeah. an easy way to not have to change the way that you develop and still have this be two repos like using sim links and git repos and something sure yeah no i mean i i could totally do that um yeah totally i mean like i sort of was doing that i was spiking to use a a term on a different dom differ called diff dom Mm -hmm. and instead of just like i needed to install it in my package but i needed to be able to edit it a bunch so you know i just pulled i forked it i pulled it down locally in a separate uh folder i sim linked it you know with npm link so now i could Mm -hmm. like when i made edits to it it reran my build and all that stuff but it's a totally separate repo you know cool yeah that's something that's like anyway anyway whatever yeah um so yeah live wire hooks inversion of control fun here's a quick one this is one that um in the issues i saw i woke up to this issue this morning and i read the title and it's like uh support form submission or get get data from a form submission or something I immediately understood what it was. I've been waiting for somebody to say that they need this because I could see oh, it from explain like it, please. early on. Basically, like in Livewire, in your component, if you have a form tag with like input elements, right now to do stuff with it, you have to wire model all of those input elements. Right. And then wire them up to data. And then on a submit, you could listen for a submit event on the form. But in the in the submit method that you call in the component, you would have to get the data from the component, like this arrow name out yep. of the component. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, but what if there was a way to just have a form tag with like wire colon form or something like that? And then just the input elements, you know, and then when the submit happens, all the data gets sent together, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's reasonable. Like I originally had the concept of forms in Livewire forever ago. But mm-hmm. I punted on it. Um, basically, long story short, I was able to send him a little snippet of like, actually, here's how you could do this right now. That's actually happened a couple times recently, which is so nice. 
because then you then I feel like instead of me just creating a thing where I have to like write features for everything everybody wants is like mm-hmm. I've created a tool that you can you know like some some like things that you can mix and match to accomplish what you want this is that is always the best way to close an issue it is i did not close the issue and i actually wrote this massive comment that was like here's all the things we could do to make this support this but but initially i was like okay it was actually the perfect this is the perfect github comment on an issue ever it's like this is one of those You've magical moments. You've done it. I know. It's like an elf. Congratulations. <laughs> world's best cup of coffee. You did it. You did it. Yeah. Great job, everybody. Yeah, great job, everyone. Um, <laughs> and it's actually just a crappy cup of coffee. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this guy posts this issue. I didn't. I just saw it an hour later. I didn't, It was just coincidence. And I'm like, here's... I love this idea. Here's all the things we could potentially do. And by the way, here's how you can do it right now. You know, like you can get past this issue right now. Plus, I don't know. It's like, whatever. Plus we'll support it in a good way. Right. Exactly. It's like, whatever. It's like a double, it's like a double whammy of good stuff. It's like, first of all, here's a promise of supporting exactly what you want. Second of all, here's like a workaround for now. Exactly. Yeah. It's amazing. So I want to tell you what the, fixes like how to actually like accomplish this right now with livewire tell me so you have wire colon submit because you can wire colon any native dom event right yeah so form tag wire colon submit and inside of that you have a submit method you you might you might write submit or add or whatever and then Mm -hmm. it would call the submit method on your component when the form submitted right sure but somehow we need to pass the data from the form into that method right yeah. So I use some magic, like Liveware internally uses eval for some magical things. So you have access to JavaScript in that thing. It's a weird hybrid of PHP and JavaScript. This is a blurry one for people if they try to wrap their heads around it. But you reference a method on the back end, right? Submit. Sure. And you can pass in parameters like strings and stuff. Sure. Right. But if you try to reference something that's not a string, you people have run into this, like you'll get an error. That's like a JavaScript error. That's like undefined variable, whatever, because they forgot to add the strings. Because I use a val, and before I hit a val in Livewire, I seed up a little magic variable called money sign event, so you can access the event with money sign event. So wire mm. colon submit equals submit. I should have picked a different <laughs> name for the methoding the component, and then for the parameter you pass in. So you can just pass in like event.target.value like for other things but this is a form Mm -hmm. so you can new form data and then pass in event.target you familiar with the form data api Mm -mm. so there's a class in javascript every browser has. yeah i get right okay i i'm abstracting yeah yeah, 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 so i think it makes sense right so basically you new up a form data object with Mm event.target and you chain on the end of that dot entries which gives you all the entries Mm -hmm. And then sure. you do object dot from entries. You wrap it all in object dot from entries, because mm-hmm. why dom no good here that you can't just do why, two why object dom or two good. JSON. This is a big yeah. why dom no good moment. Form data could be oh, so much man. better than it is. So you have to do some why dom no good. But basically, there you go. You've accomplished it. And now in the back end, you'll get just a PHP array, associative array of all the form data. Great. Bam. Hell yeah. I don't know. That was a fun one. I was like, wait a minute. I think I could do this. Yeah. 
I'm so unfamiliar with so much browser API stuff, man. Like, yeah, you got to write a framework, there's man. There's so much right JavaScript that's just like part of browser. Yeah. And it's no good, mostly. <laughs> mostly no good. <laughs> Rarely good at all. Uh. Dude, what do you think about those stickers? I think we should do those white decals. Yeah, we should do something. People Somebody are asked. Asking. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they want them. The people want them. Yep. And uh, Jason Beggs referenced it the other day, too. Is there a way that we can make stickers where we don't have to do the shipping? Isn't this like the thing that everybody wants? Isn't this like what Adam is giving his kingdom for? Really? Yeah, he wants to just be able to like not... Make do- a sticker and like collect 20% of the money. Yeah, the... The constraints are like you can go on um not Gumroad, what's Cafe Press or something. Yeah, whatever. One of those things. I can't think of the other ones, but Cotton Bureau maybe. No, but things like that where like uh-huh. drop shipping type stuff. So we could do that, but they would be crappy stickers and they would be expensive. Right. Um so I guess Why you can't have a sticker mule just too. do drop shipping. If they did, man, it would be over. That yeah, they would run the game. Yeah, they would. They already run the game. I know, but they would just make so much money. Yeah, because like okay, right now, assume they charge me forty cents a sticker, right? Yep. They just start charging two dollars and forty cents a sticker, basically. Yeah. You know, and then like I can bump the price to whatever. You know, like they're like, we're charging you two forty. You can make the stickers five dollars. You keep the profit, but we're giving two dollars and forty cents. Two dollars just for the just for the privilege of having us ship your sticker. Yep. You know? Like why would you not do that? That's just free money. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's not free logistically. Yeah, but they already have a, a logistics business. They already ship stickers for a living. That's true. You, they do you just have to that have, is a you just have to component. expand that business a little bit. But they would it's have not to like hold... they don't know how to send a package. They would have to hold inventory, you know? That's the that's the thing. Because they wouldn't print each sticker on demand. Right, 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 right. And they would have to keep the dies around and yeah. all that other stuff. Yep. Okay, you're right. So that there is a logistics problem there. But I mean it's gotta be worth the money. Yeah. Enough people want this that like I think somebody's actually attempting it, but I'm sure it's You know going what though? Nowhere. They don't even need to No 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 no. Screw that. You still pay them for the whole lot of stickers i pay them up front yeah 40 40 cents a sticker yeah right yeah and then when they're sold they collect their additional two dollars and then they just need to hold inventory they don't need to like keep the dies and all that but they're holding inventory for all of those things that might not get sold or you know and fulfillment of all that stuff like one-off things like that's not well. They should do it like like Cotton Bureau does, where there's only like a limited run, like it's thirty days. Yeah, maybe. You know, yeah, it's like is... you have thirty days to sell out, or else right. we're throwing them away, or shipping the rest to your house. Yeah. You know. Yep. As a uh, as a guy who dabbled in sticker fulfillment, it's uh, yeah, big it's not fun. In big sticker. <laughs> there's pretty low margins. Yeah, but I feel like they're the only people in the world who could make money in this business, and they should do it. Yeah, the reason it doesn't exist is no one's making money on it because sticker—you have to get the sticker mule stickers, and sticker mule charges a premium. 
Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. But um, but yeah, I got a whole stack of stickers. I got like fifty of those sticker packs that I never fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I never. I just ordered fifty extra because I'm like I'm ordering these. The Alibaba ones or the sticker? No, mule the sticker ones? mule ones. The good ones, just sitting in a pile. Hmm. Should probably do something with those. Hmm. Oh yeah, I gave my. I told you this already on Telegram, but I gave my therapist the make the change easy, make the easy change sticker. Sweet. And the sticker mule one. He's like, yeah, nice. And he's got like a he's got like a cartoon Big Lebowski the dude sticker on the back of his clipboard. Sweet. And so he just put it right under the Big Lebowski, and it's on his clipboard now. I thought it was great. I was like, Sweet. this is a programming quote, so like, just so you know, like someone's gonna see that and be like, a word, dude, yeah. you code. <laughs> <laughs> or most people would just be like oh yeah it's yes. it's beautiful yeah yeah man it is beautiful he said it back to me the other day really yeah just like ooh. it's like that's my line yeah like like i say that to people that's gonna be <laughs> his, that back to his new line instead of um how do you feel about that it's yeah. just make make the <laughs> yeah. make these. yep it's yeah. a good one. It is good, Broham. Dude, this was a good. Roll. This was a good little episode. It was a great episode. I loved it. Yeah, just so so many mini topics. So we didn't know where bra- it was brain going. Benders. No, and I think it turned out all right. I think it turned out fine. All right, should we just cue the outro music and button it up here? I'd just like to say one thing, please. You're a monk. Thank you, Decal. Yeah, man. Cue the outro music. Bump, bon, now. <laughs> All right. Stopping the recording. <laughs> <laughs>